Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business with your hosts, Chris Natalie and Nick Michaels. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cosmic Voice. This is Season 3, Episode 20. I am here with my co-host, Chris Natalini. What's up, everybody? And I am Mick Michaels. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Chris, welcome back yes. yourself. This is our Season 3 finale episode. How you doing, I buddy? Oh man. I know. It's crazy, bro. It's crazy that we are ending our third season. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's just crazy that... We're doing this for three seasons. Number one. Oh, that too. That, that too. That we actually got this going, pulled this out of our hat, <laughs> <laughs> made it work. That's, to me, still baffling at times, especially because I know behind the scenes how often it took us to just get a sound between each other. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think it helps, too, because you have the two of us who who like to talk music, right? Like, you and I both like to talk shop, whether it's about you know, a specific artist or if we, you know, like the, the industry. So it's easy for us to do the show. It's all the other stuff. Yeah. It's all the other stuff outside the, of it. That the, is, the uh, show is like just us talking to each other. Like we always have for the past 30 it, it, some that years. That is correct. Yeah. Yes, we that just, is correct. It, it, so like when we're at a show and Chris and I are either attending a show or playing a show together, we're usually off in a corner talking about the same exact thing, <laughs> same exact thing. That is so true. <laughs> and so we decided, hey, why don't we just record it, edit it down, and just see if anybody likes it. And uh, like Chris mentioned in our last episode, we actually made it to someone's top five favorite podcast. We, we did. We were we number did. five. Yes, we but did. listen, I'll take it. I'll Hell take yeah, it. Bro. Listen, if we were in the top ten, I'll take it. But top five is even better. Yeah, even better. Somebody actually, somebody actually listens. So... That's that's awesome. So, a big thank you to everyone that does listen. We really do appreciate you uh, you coming yeah, back do. each week and we each do. you know each episode, each season. This is just really cool. So, thank you very much. It it really is it really is a, a an ultimate thing. So, we really do appreciate that. That being said, being that this is our season finale show last episode of season three what we've decided to do is we're going to do a Q&A back and forth between the two of us Chris is going to have some questions for me I have no idea what they are I'm going to have some questions for Chris he has no idea what they are I know he's already shaking in his boots I can see it he's got <laughs> he's got the quiver in the beard folks quiver in the beard <laughs> So we're going to see how this goes. We're going to have a good time with it, see if we can make a show out of it. Here we go. Chris, you start off, yes. buddy. You go ahead. All right. So I, I want to give our listeners just a bit of a background if they don't know or if they don't really know the extent because it this follow, it's actually a two-parter question, but it is the same question. So for those of you who may not know, Mick and I have known each other for a very long time uh, since high school. And uh, a very long time. Did I say that already? Oh, yeah. Um, and we have spent many a time together through those years. And back in the day, in our younger days, um, we used to live in the same town, uh, not far from each other, in Narstown, Pennsylvania. Back then, you used to have a band called Seeker, yes. and uh, yes. which which uh, you guys can look up on Facebook. And the, the album is still available, right, Mick? 
Yeah, it, uh, uh, we actually we actually got lucky. 2019, it re-released on Heaven and Hell Records. They uh, they wanted to re-release our 1989 or 90 uh, EP, so it's kind of a kind of an exciting thing. Yes. Okay, awesome. So, so back in the day, you guys used to have all well, your. I guess it was more like your garage. You guys uh, had built this big stage, and you had lights, and you know, every weekend or every Friday night, whatever it was, and we'd all come down and we'd all hang out at the rehearsal spot. So, here's my question. Oh boy, what is your what is your most memorable gig pre Corners of Sanctuary, and what is your most memorable gig with Corners of Sanctuary? Oh. Um, I think. The most memorable gig pre-Corners of Sanctuary goes back to Seeker. I remember when, after the band had formed, and we, you know, we went into heavy writing and, and rehearsal and stuff like that, we put together a two-night showcase. Uh, the first, you know, debuting the band. Because the band was of mixed age, we had older guys in the band and then there were three of us that were still teenagers so it made it hard at times even though we did it anyway to play places and, and to do things as time went along but we you know we we looked a little older so it, it kind of helped out and you know as you find out in the business most of back then that nobody cared about anything they just were, were looking to pack this this uh, the venue anyway i remember the first showcase that we did we did to the above 21 crowd and I can't even tell you how we played. I don't remember how we played. <laughs> but I remember the place was packed. And that's, you know, you could sell some tickets and, and, and whatever. And, and everybody was loving it. I just remember then, you know, we were being, then we were escorted backstage again. And we were just like, it, there was just this euphoria of being a, you know, a 15-year-old kid playing. You know, they, they like... I, at that point in time, and like I've, I've said this before, when I was that age, I didn't think I wasn't going to make it. And at that moment, right. I thought yeah. that I made it. Yeah. Right? Because I didn't yeah. know the difference. I didn't have, I didn't have the, the sense to know the difference. It was, it was, everything was in the moment type of thing. Unfortunately, I miss some of that being a you know, middle-aged yeah. guy. Um, yeah. Because there was an innocence to it. There was that deer in the headlights type of thing. And you were able to really soak it in and super enjoy it. So I remember that as probably the feeling. Like I told you, I couldn't remember the gig at all. I, I'm, I do remember little bits and pieces of it. I even remember we had one of those old lights that you used to put behind the silver Christmas trees in the early seven, late sixties, early seventies <laughs> that would change colors. You know what I'm talking about? It rotated yeah, oh, around. We that. had that behind yeah. the drum set and it created this thing. I don't know. We, we didn't have a fog machine. We could have had some kind of dry. We had something. I don't know if it was dry ice or it could have been spackle and that we were just, you know, probably something that OSHA wouldn't have liked, but we had our own special effects. And I just remember all that kind of stuff, but the feeling of the people going crazy. That's, that's what I remember. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Did you say where the guy? I, I must have missed if you did. Did you say where the gig was, or you don't remember where it was? Um, it was it, it was just a hall. We just we rented a hall because okay. it was a two night showcase. Um, okay. And I remember just setting up for it. We had I, I again I don't even know what we how we even came about thinking about this stuff. But there was a stage built, and we had gotten all these. They were crates, right? Milk crates, but they were the metal ones. 
Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if people remember that, but they used to have the the metal ones. Well, we had I don't know where. We probably stole them from someplace, but we had so many of them. <laughs> we built, like, this whole stage thing. The, the drums were underneath it, and we had lights set in it. Uh, our one guitar player who was was pretty much the leader at the time, he had this kind of mind that was able to put that stuff together, and it was kind of, we just all followed along, but it made sense, you know, because we didn't know, And um, but that's what I remember. I, that's one of the things I remember most of all. I can say looking back now being older, I remember you guys being bigger than life. Like, I really remember you guys carrying yourself like you were the band. Like, you guys were, I remember watching you guys play, you know, in your in your garage or yard. And, and I remember thinking like you guys were playing like you owned the world. And that was back then. Yeah. And that was pure ignorance. There wasn't a cockiness. I, I tell you, I, I don't think that, again, I don't think we put it together as that or one way or the other, but there was an ignorance and ignorance is bliss, right? Especially at that age. And that's, I think we just kind of lived in the moment. We didn't, weren't thinking of anything else. And, that's one of the things I think I remember. Uh, I mean, there's some other shows. I remember playing at Bonnie's Rocks, and, and we blew the power out in our, by our third song. For some reason, we were we were playing so loud. We had so much equipment and the amps and stuff that we just we blew the stage. And like for like a half an hour, there was like everything was in the dark. We were kind of bummed out. But we got to finish our set, which, you know, at that point. But it was, you know, that was cool and all. But I think for, for Corners of Sanctuary... There are a number of shows, believe it or not. I mean, I, for different reasons. Um, you guys have done some really cool stuff over the years. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I don't want to, like, you know, if you start talking about it, it sounds like you're boasting and all. And that's and I'm not, because I, sometimes I sit back and I'm like, oh, my God, how is this possible? Because like, I know who I am, and I'm saying to myself, how is this possible? <laughs> like, y- y- like, either I don't deserve it, you shouldn't be here, that kind of thing. We played in Germany. We played a festival in Germany, unknowing what this was going to be. We had shows, some shows booked for us, and we were just kind of like, you know, going. And we got on stage, and the place—it's it, like the whole town was there, and we were just—it was—and yeah. they fed us and all. The the following two day, two nights later, we played Hanover, and the joint was packed, and people were coming to see us, and we were like. Like, are, are you sure you're at the right show? Like, I mean, like, like we it, we just we had no expectations when we went yeah. to Europe, except that yeah. we were going to play in Europe. That was the goal, the play in Europe. So right. there was no right. expectations in terms of packing the joint, right? Yeah. And it was just an amazing show, worst sound we've ever had. Like the guitar was just <laughs> nasty sound, and it was just. But I didn't care. It didn't make a difference. It was just like the yeah. place was packed, and all. But I think the show that that stands out the most for us, and I think everyone would say it in this lineup, is when we opened for Udo here in Philly at the Trocadero. Mm. We were yeah. called. We played on a Saturday. We were called Wednesday, and they said, "We need an opening act. There's only going to be one. Do you guys want to do it?" I don't even think they finished what they were saying. I was like, yeah, we'll do it. I didn't even contact the band. I said, yeah, we're going to do it. I called everyone afterwards. and They go, okay, we'll let you know by Friday for sure. Okay. Because they weren't sure if they were even going to use an opening act. Right, right, right. I called up the band and I go, I don't care what you're doing on Saturday. We're opening for Udo. Okay. So... Friday at 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time here, we got the word, it's all a go. 
by the hour later, we had promo out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then we had to be there, you know, Saturday afternoon. We got a set. It was a Cinderella story. Because yeah. I played the truck before. It's always been cool. But you're kind of not, you know, it's not a big deal because you're nobody. But yeah. that, we got two parking spots. We got free drinks. We got escorted in, which was amazing because and then there were people that were on our guest list that were stuck in the crowd we got to go out with security and a representative and pull those people out of the crowd it was like oh my god (laughs) and then you know we backstage you know we got to bump shoulders with udo we're watching him backstage i mean it was just amazing we started on it was a black start and i don't mean to keep going on but it was just amazing but i'll tell you what just like cinderella the clock didn't have to wait till 12 it was by 11 o'clock you were back to being it was (laughs) bye-bye but it's one of the the next day you're taking the trash out Yeah, taking the trash out (laughs) goodbye i mean i wound up I, I wound up getting a ticket that night anyway. <laughs> so it was like, well, that's the end of it. There you go. You talk about 15 minutes of fame. That was it. And um, it, to us, it was just an amazing. I mean, to open up for Udo, yeah, a hero yeah, of yeah, ours, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. So uh, I hope I didn't bore anybody, but that's, you know, that's where it's at. So that was a good question, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. All right. So my first question to you is, what do you feel is your greatest musical accomplishment so far? Oof. You need it repeated? What do you feel is your greatest musical accomplishment so far? Because I'm sure there's more to come. You know what, man? You know, I have been on some great records that have, you know, made top tens of the year. One of them being number one. You know, I just released a CD that I'm super proud of. But I think the one thing that I I think for me is being 51 and still doing it. You know, I I think that even though I've done so much in the 30 plus years I've been doing this, you know, I've met some great people. I've got to travel. I've done some amazing shows. I, I think that I think the one thing that I feel every day is that I'm 51 years old and I'm still doing it and I have no intention of stopping. You know, there's, I, I feel like there's a lot more that I have left in the tank. You know what I mean? And uh, um, so for me, that's my answer I, that I'm, you know, that I'm this age in 2021 and I'm, I'm still doing it and I'm still having a blast. You know, I'm still having a great time and, and um, still able to bang my head harder you know just as hard as i was when i was in my 20s it just hurts more the next day (laughs) i get that (laughs) but uh yeah so that that's my answer that's awesome man that's cool and you know it's it's that type of attitude that inspires me as well and so i appreciate that that you know because any i mean listen you have your ups and downs with this business and there are days you get up and you go you know what this is it i'm i'm done and I've joked yeah. around with you, and sometimes it hasn't been a joke that you know retirement may be coming. You know what I mean? Like yeah. how often, how how much more can you do this? And then you know you realize it's such a piece of you, it's such of who you are that without yeah. it, what are you going to do? I mean, there's going to be a point someday. I mean, oh I, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But why do it prematurely if you don't have to? 
That's right. I, I think one of the biggest compliments that I've received, uh, you know, or by old bandmates that just don't do it anymore. Uh, you know, if, if I if I'm blessed by some good news or a good show or a good review, and sometimes I'll get emails from former bandmates to go, "Man, it is awesome that you're still doing it." And I and I always think to myself, because a lot of these guys are super talented, and I go, well, "Yeah, like it's it's all it's what we wanted to do when we were together." And uh, right. You know, it just it just kind of continued, and and that's the biggest compliment when usually an ex band maker is I can't believe you know it's so awesome that you're still doing it. That's cool. That's good, and I I thank you for it. I thank you that you continue doing it, and you you know thank again you, you 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 give I, you know you could give hope, you give inspiration, you give aspiration to other artists that you can keep doing it. Thanks. You're going to have your ups and downs. It's just like any other thing. Oh yeah, you know what I that's mean. That's it, man. But it's, it's it. like we talked about in other episodes. Like if you have that passion and it's in your heart, you'll find a way around to do it, right? You may not do it at the same way oh, yeah. you did it 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, but you'll find a way to do it in some capacity. Yep. So yep. kudos okay. to you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. This is Stephen Piercy from Rat, the Rat Bastard. You're listening to the Cosmic Voice. So here is my next question to you, Mr. McMichaels. Oh, boy. And I know this is going to, I know this, it may not be hard, but you've written a lot of songs in your career. Hmm. What is the best song you have ever released and why? Oh, my God. (laughs) Ah, that's, you know, that's, that's, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I mean, you've written a lot of songs in your career, man, a lot. I have. I've written a lot of songs. They, you know, and continue and, to do so. And I continue to do so because I'm I'm honing and lear- still learning my craft. Not everything is has always been uh, a great thing. Um, there, I don't, you know, man. It's a there's a lot of different stuff because I experiment with a lot of different things, and I don't, you know, it's that's a tough question. That's a tough question. Right off the bat, I w- I would want to say that. One of the holiday songs could be considered one of the best songs I ever written. And I'll tell you, we release our holiday package every year, and new mixes sometimes happen for some of the songs. So, like this year, I was going back over some of the previous originals, and we did a song in back in 2016, that feeling you know. And I was listening to it back, and I go, "How did I come up with that? Like, where did I? Where did where did that come from?" And <laughs> Whether it's the the lyric or the melody or some of the you know arrangements and stuff like that, it's like sometimes when you're in the zone, things happen and you just it's not a matter of oh I've trained like this or I'm more skilled than so and so or I have all this degree or something. Sometimes it, the moment dictates it, and I allow yeah. that to happen. I mean, and it's just amazing feeling, and I, it's that Zen feeling, uh, Zen moment you get being an artist and then you spend the rest of the year trying to find it again like where to go i just had it 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 was just right here like my car keys so i think there's something about that song and i think there's a few of the christmas songs and i'll tell you why i think because i feel free i get to do whatever i want to do and i don't have to keep it into a niche yeah i like that and it's open to a broader feel, and it's more musical at times. That song actually helped get me to write better material for the band. And from there, Gallop and Hordes was the next like major, major release that we did in terms of the album. It was definitely a turning point, so it helped me. I mean, because, you know, like, I mean, 
live set. Like, I mean, there's a real basic tune that we do. It's called On the Hunt. It's an older song, but people love it. And I've played it at this stage all over the world, and people dig it. And it's a chant song, and it's it's real simple. On the Hunt. Dug, 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 dug. And it's one of those things that just, you know, hit the chord. Are there other songs that I like in terms of, like, say, hey, this is an artistic song. There's some really cool stuff. Yeah, and... Like, there are those deep cuts that nobody else seems to, like, the majority of people won't get. But, yeah, but it helps me get there and do that. Yeah. So, I I would say that um, the Christmas songs in general give me a little bit more lift in terms of the freedom I'm able to do, which then helps my next sets of writing for the regular material. So, I I don't know if that answers the question per se. Yes, um, it does. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of songs that we do in the set that are like, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, like I don't get, like if I, I don't, I I, I once, someone once said to me, you should do this in the set. I said, well, we tried it. Well, why don't you do it anymore? I go, because the crowd didn't react the way that we thought. And we did it a number of times in different crowds, different, to try it. Yeah. Right. And if the crowd doesn't react, it's not a good, it may be a great song, but it's not the song for the live set. Right, has to connect. It right? has I to mean, connect. We talked about right. that before, it, like, like you got to connect. If, yeah, if it connects with you or just one or two people, I get it. But you can't do that. You have to think yeah. of the larger group. So yes. the person said, "Well, you can't tell me that you don't play songs that like that you don't like that you put that you, that you put you know that you don't play any songs that you don't like." And I said, "No, I don't. I go because I play my own stuff. Number one, I like right. what I right. do, and." Right. If the song doesn't work live, I don't play it. I mean, there are songs that we just don't play. They're on an yeah. album. I think they're solid songs. They work as album songs, but they're not live songs, in my opinion. Right. Right? Right. So it just right. doesn't yep. work. And I get it. Yep. I get it. So, you know, but that's... If I'm doing this, and I know I'm, I'm kind of like, um, you know, going, maybe going off the tangent here, but like you said before, like, if you're doing it, then you got to do it the way you want to do it and the way you're going to enjoy it. Otherwise, why would you do it? Like now, if I was right. be, if I was being paid as a hired gun, well, that's a different story. I'm an employee. I'm brought in. Right. You do this, you get this. Oh, I got it. Well, that's my job. That's what a job is. But it's more than a job for me. This is this is my creation, my band stuff, our music, and we're going to play what we want to play when yeah. we want to play. Yeah. Would I love to do those songs? Yeah. If the crowd went wild, I'd do them. But it didn't work. Right. Right. So, yeah, good question, man. Do you think the Christmas song song or songs, uh, do you think that you like writing them because it gives you more freedom or and or is it because you feel like because you're so connected to the holiday? Um, I think it's I think it's both. I, I do. I think, yeah. and people. I think people's quick response is, "Well, you've shoehorned or you've boxed yourself into a certain writing style." No, that's not true. I don't necessarily. I know what you're. I, I get it, and you, there may be some truth in that on some level, but I don't think that's the case. Like if you're writing, like I, I, like I've talked about it before. I know bands have done it. Like I'm not looking to do a death metal album, then a uh, melodic death metal album, then a thrash metal, then an old school, then a traditional, then a classic. Like, I'm not interested in doing those kind of albums. Like, maybe there's a gradual progression of the music or something like that, and you're writing to that because you change. 
things change, yeah. stuff around you. Yep. And I, when I write albums or even EPs, there's a theme usually that kind of, you know, if you've heard our Blood and Steel this past year, that whole thing, there was a, a bit of a darker, grittier change to the music. But it was still Corners of Sanctuary. You could pick out elements. This is typical Corners. This is, you know, whatever. But it was presented in a slightly different manner. The beauty about the Christmas songs are it's to a much broader audience. And, yeah, and that really, and again, like I'm tapping into that childhood fantasy of like, you know, Santa being for real and, and how you feel about Christmas when you're six, seven, eight, nine. You know what I mean? And it's just an yeah. amazing yeah. time of the year. It really is. Yeah. And I, I try to carry that over. And, and it, the songs help me to bring that to life, to bring that realism back to the forefront, so to speak. Right, right. You know, and cool. I, I just have a good time with it. That's all. So, yeah, cool, man. Thank you. Cool. Okay, my next. next question. What fear did you have to overcome on a personal or professional level Ooh. to do what you are doing now? If there was any. But as oh. artists, we all suffer from some we level of... We all have of, fears. Yeah. I think my biggest fear was, am I good enough to do what I'm doing? And I've said this many a times for many years. I've been fortunate enough to surround myself with amazing players. And to me, screaming, whatever, you know, I always make that joke. People go, oh, you're a singer. I go, no, no, I'm just screaming in a microphone. <laughs> you know, I always, you know, I always wonder, are the are my vocals matching the talent of the guys I surround myself with? Is it good enough? Does it pass? You know, could they? I, I always say there's always somebody better than you, right? But the question is, what are my fears? So my fear has always been, Am I good enough to be with the guys that I am surrounded by? I think that, you know, a voice, uh, you know, as a guitar player, as a bass player, as a drummer, you're going to have your good days, you're going to have your bad days. With an instrument, it is what it is. But with a voice, you're either bad or you're good. Your bad days are your bad days and your good days are your good days. And I think that, you know, getting on stage and being a singer you know, you always worry, did I have enough water? Am I relaxed enough? Am I, you know, am I ready to do this? Is my voice going to be as strong as rehearsal was the other night? And, and you know, a lot of my fears kind of revolve around my voice between whether is it going to be good enough for the band, uh, for the songs, for the band, or is it going to be, is it going to hold out live? You know, am I going to, am I, am I going to have a dry night? You know what I mean? Anything. And I think that, you know, because, you know, your voice is so, it has to be in tune with your body. And then if your body's off, man, and your voice is off, you know, um, and, and that's the, that's the one thing because sometimes you can't control your body. Sometimes your body just wants to do something that, uh, you know, your brain and your body sometimes don't match. A lot of times my lips and my brain don't match, but, uh, you know, sometimes it just doesn't, they don't want to work together and that, and that's hard because you can't get by. Like you either have to be on or, uh, you know, it's just not going to sound right. That's always been a fear. My voice has always been my biggest fear. Oh, I can understand that. That's your instrument. So, you know, it's... I, I think other people that play guitar or bass or drums, they, they have a similar thing, too. Am I going to be on tonight? Can I keep up? I had a rough day, something like that. You know, uh, I go through that sometimes with me. It's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really on tonight or, you know, let's hope I can get through it. So I understand that completely. I understand that completely. Yeah. But we work through it, right? As artists, we have to do our best. They, you know, the old saying, the show must go on. You do your yeah, whatever man. it is you, you do, know? you do. 
that's it, man. You know, you ha- you're going to have your bad shows. You're going to have your good shows. And uh, you just try to make up for it. If you're going to have a bad night, you just try to figure out how to work around it and get through it and try your best. You know, I, I definitely don't make excuses, you know, if I have a bad night. And I, you know, we may talk about it as a band later on. But, uh, you know, I don't make excuses. A bad night is a bad night. And it is what it is. And you just hope that the next night's going to be better the next time you're back. And what you don't want to do is have a bad night on a very important night. Right. And um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I know. And, um but, you know, it is what it is, and you got to forge forward, and you got to hope for the best. And just like genres of music, everybody is going to, uh, you know, everybody has their opinion. Your My voice isn't for everybody, and that's okay. I hear you. I hear you. But you do it nonetheless. I do. I yep. do, because I love to do it, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You are listening to The Cosmic Voice with your hosts, Chris Natalini and Mick Michaels. All right, Mick, here's your next question, buddy. If you could have your fans remember one thing about you, what would that one thing be? What's the one thing you would want them to remember you for? Oh, I don't know. He never took himself too seriously. I don't know. Maybe he wrote a lot of songs. <laughs> uh, you have you have written a lot of songs. <laughs> I, I, still, I got a lot more. To that's, that's, you know... I, listen, man. I always say I will. I will say this until the day I am dead. You, you, Mick Michaels, and your projects. You, you, I, and I say this all the time. Corner Sanctuary. You guys are one of the hardest working people bands that I have ever been around. Uh, you know, we say it all the time, and, and you know, I, that's one thing I will always say about you. You work your ass off. And anything, anything you, anything you touch, you work your ass off. Well, you know, yeah. we, you know, we joked about it. You know, when we first started this podcast, I'd wake up and be like six in the morning. You'd be like, Hey, I have these, ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's, but that's the one thing I love about you. You are always, your brain is always on, man. You're always working. But so what would be the one thing that um, you would want your fans to remember about you? You know, honest, I guess, he, you know, he did the best he could. And I, I oh. think I think there's something to say about that. And the best he could, like I don't have to be the best. I don't have to be the greatest. That that that's for other people. There's that's a different that's a different mindset, and it's short lived, right? Um, but I I do try to the best I can. I try to be as consistent as I can. And some days, you know, sometimes it it wanes. It's very difficult, at, you know. But it helps keep me balance so that when I do have a bad day or a bad days I can get myself back on track because I'm, I'm just trying to balance out the wheel you know what yeah. I mean um, yeah I don't want to rock the boat I, and it, you know maybe that's a cop-out maybe it's something but it helps me stay consistent so that I get to do more of what I like to do and do less of what I don't want to do and don't yeah. like to do yeah right yeah and the last two years, like we talked about this before, really taught me that. It's probably yeah. more like yeah. I want to do less of that other stupid stuff because yeah. it's just noise. And yeah. sometimes the industry creates extra noise for whatever reason. I don't know if they're right. creating sleight of hand or trying to throw you off the, the path or, you know, or just to, you know, because you just try to occupy your time. But. Yeah. This way, I, you know, hey, he did the best he could with what he had, and uh, and I'm content with that because that's that's a survival tactic, and there's a lot that can be said about that, you know, because when all else fails, 
you need the guy that knows how to create fire. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And keep you from getting rained on. It's true, man. It's true. That's a hundred percent. So I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm that guy, but I'm, I'm still working to, you know, towards that. So yeah, I, I hope that that it helps answer that question. Yeah, yeah, for sure, brother. Cool, cool, for sure. cool. All right, your next question: If you weren't doing music, what do you think you would have done, or would oh. be doing, if you weren't doing music? Wow, brother, I. I honestly, I don't know, man. Like, this is all I've ever wanted to do. Um, I would probably just be me. Like, I, I I would probably just, you know, have a house, have a wife, have a job. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. If I, may, if I wasn't, maybe I would have a family. I don't have kids. Um, may, that may be. I may be a dad. Maybe. If I, you know, if I wasn't doing this, and I say that because, you know, doing this took so much time and so much sacrifice that selfish, maybe, uh, but I, I didn't feel that uh, because this was such a passion, because this was such a love that I didn't think that it'd be fair to bring other people into this world and, and me not be there because this was such a crazy passion that I have. It's all I've ever wanted to do. It's kind of like why I don't have a dog right now. I, I just, I, you know, I just always want, you know, I, for me, I just always want to be go to go, oh, hey, we're opening for Udo Saturday night. I'm there. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just me. And I don't, you know, that uh, I don't, I, I don't judge anybody that, you know, it, it's just me. It was, it was always better for me just to be able to go, yeah, I could pick up and go, what? You want to do two week tour? I'm going. Bags are packed. Let's do it. So I've always been selfish. I guess you could say I, I've just always been selfish in, in my time because of my passion. So if I wasn't doing this, maybe be a dad. Uh, I would definitely, I would definitely probably have a house like I do now and be married for sure. I knew that. And uh, yeah, I would probably just be an average guy. Just uh, you still have you know. the beard, though, don't you think? I would probably, I would probably still have the beard. Yeah, the because beard I would the cutoffs. I would now. I would still be into like comics and movies and stuff like that and wrestling. So I'd always want to look like those kind of people and those kind of characters. So I would probably still look the same. But I would. Uh, I. But yeah, I would. I would probably say that I would just be a normal guy, man. Just you know, just nine to five, which I have now. I just have this music thing in my blood. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. All right. My last question for Mr. Mick Michaels. Mick, we have, through three seasons, we have always constantly talked about your love for Christmas and your love for Hallmark movies <laughs> and your love your love for baking. And we've talked about music and uh, everybody knows you do have a family. What is, Mick Michaels, what is one thing that nobody knows about you that you would want people to know? We know you have a wife. We know you have kids. We know your love for Christmas. Like I said, we know you like to cook. Uh, you've created the cosmic universe. We know all that. What is the one thing that we do not know about Mick Michaels that uh, you would like to share? Even if it's a guilty pleasure. Oh, I don't. Well, I don't have many. I mean, you, you know, I drink a lot of diet soda here in the green room. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the best, but you know, it's, 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 I can get it on the table quick. Um, you know, I I don't know there. I mean, there, there's a bunch of different things. I mean, you know, I, I'm actually a very quiet introvert. 
I don't socialize. You know, I mean, that is true. Those that really, really, you know, know me, I'm, I'm, I keep to myself most of the time. Uh, I'm a family person. I mean, I've, I've done this most of my life as well, among some other things. I did take a few years off. One of the other big passions ever since I was a, a young person, you know, I, I always wanted to have a family. I lost my father early on as a as a kid, and having that family of my own was was a was a key component. And I think that you know I was able to to do that. Maybe not the best at all times, you know, because I learned as as I went along. You know, I made mistakes, but my family is such a, a source of strength for me, and I'm not afraid to say that if if that makes uh, people uncomfortable or people feel that that makes you sound weak, but. A family to me, my wife and my children are so are so crucial to my existence. They're the top of the heap before anything else that I that I do in music or you know whatever else. Um, but their love and support of what I do makes what I do that much easier. Do you know what I mean? And I, and they're a source of my I inspiration. Do. So that's that's a that's a key component to me and um and maybe you've you've picked up on that one again one of my loves for christmas is that you know i i spend a lot of it with my my family baking and and um watching movies and decorating and just you know going to different places and and stuff like that you know some of the other things you know and again i'm I'm not trying to take up your space but uh no i'm uh i'm actually 35 percent deaf in one ear um, I, really? I, I, I started losing some of my hearing at 16, not, you know, playing in a small room at 120 decibels with no earplugs. I lost some of my hearing early on. And, uh, well, I didn't, now, see, I didn't even know that. How about that? And I've been able to maintain it though. In the past couple of years, I lost a little bit more on the one side. Uh, and that's actually, I, I can tell you the show and everything, but I don't, I'm not going to say it. And unfortunately, I had earplugs in that night, but I grabbed the wrong ones, and I did not realize that until I was already uh, three songs in. I said, "There's something different," and I felt the pop uh, and all that. Oof. And for about several days after the show, I couldn't hear at all on that side. I had, to, you know, went to the doctor and all that kind of stuff. And he says it may some of it may come back, and thankfully it did. Uh, it, you know, I, I was really concerned, really concerned because I was, you know, because I'm freaking tone deaf to begin with. And then on top of that, not being able to hear, you know, I do a pretty good job of now of, you know, I know I, I've all, you know, since I was 16, once I, unfortunately, once you start losing something, you, you go into this protection mode. That was just a damn stupid mistake on my part. Something that I'm not even sure how I made the mistake of grabbing the wrong earplugs that night. I usually have a, a ton of them on me, and for some reason, I just grab the wrong set. Mm. So anyway, but that's that. You know, that's it. That's it. I actually um, in the '90s had my wrist broken, which affected my guitar playing from that time forward. You know, I struggle with some things because of mechanical deficiency. I'm lucky that I'm even playing like I do. Yeah. So yes. I I accepted a long time ago about the type of playing that I'll be able to achieve. And I'm okay with it. I'm no technical yeah. guru. Some of that's my yeah. own fault from years before because I, I just was more interested in writing songs than you know ripping up the fretboard yeah. like Malstein. So, <laughs> but then you know then I had a, a an injury that that caused uh, some issue. But anyway, that's about it. So I hope that that 
takes you a little, you know, big Star Wars geek. But I think we may have picked up on that through the show as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I can say I didn't know you were deaf in one ear, so that's something I didn't even yeah, know. There you go. There you go. All right, my last question from Mr. Natalini, the rock star of the group. What's <laughs> one thing you think people would be surprised to know about you? Who? <laughs> that you keep a the- family of robins in your beard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that I think one thing that I, I always think that people um, are always surprised by is uh, I am a huge, huge Brett Michaels fan. I loved Poison when I was a teen, and I continue to love Poison <laughs> to this day. Yeah. Uh, Brett Michaels is one of my favorites. Now, as I've gotten older and how he's gotten older, I have a few issues with him. You know, doing that. I get it. He is a mogul. He is more than the singer of Poison. I understand he does all these reality shows and every album he releases, he puts every rose has a thorn on it with another spin. And I, but I am a huge, huge Brent Michaels fan to the point where uh, I truly believe and, and I have photographic proof that uh, he recognizes me because I've seen him so many times. Yeah. I am um, usually the only man up front in a sea of women, which, um, you know, which, of course, I'm pretty easy to spot at that point. And uh, I have been known to, uh, you know, kind of muscle my way up and use my manhood to, <laughs> to get up front to see Mr. Michaels. But, yes, I am a huge Brent Michaels fan. I just grew up with Poison. I just always... You know, of course, being a singer, I always like singers. David Lee Roth is obviously my number one favorite and inspiration, hands down. When when I was a teen growing up and, you know, we were heavy into hair metal or glam metal, however you want to put it, I was a huge Poison fan. There was something about that band that I just connected with. And uh, and Brett, I, I just always connected with Brett. I, he is just an amazing frontman, a great singer, great songwriter, and uh, he continues to do it to this day. And um I love him. I'm just a huge Brett Michaels guy. And I think that's one thing that people always look at me and go, really, dude, Brett Michaels? <laughs> I can't I, help I, it, I, Listen, I've known that, you know, for a long time. But I do know people are always, they're shocked about, what? what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Don't you sing in a, you know, death metal core something? Yeah. So it's, but it's, but it's, it's hilarious. But I get it. I hear you. I I will, I'll tell you this quick story. I'll tell you this quick story. So a number of years ago, a number, I mean like four, maybe five. So not that long ago. He had put out a solo record, his last one. And my wife and I got tickets to go see him at a casino. I don't know. It was like Bethlehem. It was like somewhere so far away. But the room was only about 250 people. It was a small room. And the stage literally was like ankle level when we got there. Now, I, we had no idea. So we walked in. I'm like, we can't be in the right room. And man, we were. The stage was small, and it was the first time Eric Brinningham from Cinderella was on tour with him, playing bass. So, of course, I get up front. There's no opening act; it's just him. Of course, I'm up front. You know, I'm I'm standing up front. No one's near me because all the girls are scared. This will kind of show you how much of a Brent Michaels guy I am. So, there's a point in the show where he starts to say, and of course, when people go see Brent Michaels, they want to hear all the Poison songs. Of course. There's a point in the show where he grabs his acoustic guitar and he says, all right, so I got a new record out. And I yelled at the top of my lungs because I am a fan. I still buy new music. I don't care who it is. I still buy new records. Mick, 
I was the only person that cheered for his new record. The only guy in the whole place. And he was like, yeah, man, thank you. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> but like that, I mean, you know, that to me is that that shows you how much of a fan I am because I still I still buy his music. No matter how many times he puts every rose on every dumb record, <laughs> I buy that record. It doesn't matter. I buy that record. So, yes. That's so so awesome. I would say Brett Michaels. That's usually the one that people get uh, get surprised by. Well, there you go, people. A little Q&A with Chris and Mick. Listen, everyone, thank you for a fabulous yes. season yes. three. Appreciate you listening. Look forward to season four. We got some things brewing, so check us out at www.thecosmicvoice.com. Step into the cosmic verse. You'll never know what you're going to find. Chris, my good man, thank you so much for another fantastic season. I look forward thank to you, doing bro. this again with you in season yes. four. Yes, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Cosmic Voice. Be sure to check us out at thecosmicvoice.com. Like and follow us on Facebook at The Cosmic Voice. You can find The Cosmic Voice everywhere you listen to online podcasts like Deezer, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, and so many more. Okay, folks, that will do it for another episode of The Cosmic Voice. Mick and I would like to say thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. You're listening to The Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business.